All right, so when I was asked to do the lesson, I was kind of thinking about what our new mission had been, which was Mission Love. And what I was kind of thinking about when I first heard Mission Love just in general, I was kind of trying to think about who do I want to love? Who do I want to seek out and reach out to? And the first people that popped into my mind were the people who were easy to love, the people that I knew well already, or the people who already loved me. I thought of my friends, I thought of my family, I thought of the person I like to talk to already. But while there is merit to loving those people and I can encourage those people, I found that the people I was being more called to love were the exact people I did not want to love, the people I didn't want to sacrifice for. So my lesson today is going to be on having love for your enemies. And so if I could get you guys to all turn to Luke uh, chapter 6, and then I'll give you guys a second to get there, and then I'll give you the verses. And then the verse will be Luke chapter 6, 27 through 28. All right, I'll read it while you guys are getting there. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Now, I want to take a step back here because I'm pretty sure that probably almost everyone in this room has heard this passage before or at least knows something about it. And I think one of the big problems with this passage is in its vagueness. And what I mean by that is it talks about loving your enemies, those who hate you, and those who curse you. But in today's time, we don't really have the same person who comes up and curses us to our face. Sometimes we do. But um, for the most part, I think our enemies kind of fall below the surface. I think the enemy I want to talk about today is the enemy that goes unseen. And I think the enemy that goes unseen is the one that we can ignore, the one that we judge one that we have pride towards, the one that we are neglecting. And what I mean by neglect is sometimes there's people in our lives that we just flat out ignore. They fall into the background. And you might wonder how that person can become an enemy, but if you think about it, if you hate somebody, they at least have some impact on your life enough to where you hate them. But if someone can fall behind the surface and you can neglect them, then that means they have no sway on your life whatsoever. And that shows the distance you've created with that person. And I think it's really important to examine who are our enemies because it's easy to just say, oh yeah, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. But who is it that curses us? It's not always the person that we think. Sometimes it's our best friend. Sometimes it's the people in this room. I know I have a couple enemies sitting in these chairs that I need to get right with. And I think it... <laughs> there's one. Um, but... <laughs> But um, uh, I think it's really important to sit back and examine sometimes the closest people to us can be our biggest enemies because sometimes the closest people to us can wrong us the most. So how do we love them? Let's look at what Jesus says next. So in verses 29 through 31, real quick. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. So, again, I think everyone has probably heard this passage. Give to those who ask, turn the other cheek. But for the most part, none of us have really had someone take our shirt and then give them your jacket as well. 
unless you're like me and you have a brother who slaps you on the face and you literally turn the other cheek, but um, most of you don't have that, at least. But I think this passage can apply a lot to the hidden enemy, the one that we don't see. And how do we love those kind of enemies? And I think it's different for each kind of enemy you have. But I think for those you neglect, it's giving them love. For those you hate, it's letting them sometimes hate you, but love them anyway. Because sometimes loving your enemy is going to mean you're going to love them, and they're not going to return it. And that's really hard to do, because when you put yourself out there, when you sacrifice for someone else and they don't reciprocate, or if they even attack you back because of it, it becomes one of the most difficult things to do. And I think one of the hardest things to do, especially with the people who annoy us or the people that we let fall behind the shadows, is give them the time of day. And I think that's one thing I've struggled with lately, too. I've let even some of my closest friends kind of fall into the shadows and let them become people of the past. And I don't know about you, but I, that's not loving that person. That's not sacrificing for that person. I'm not turning the other cheek. I'm not giving that person my tunic also. And I think that's one of the sad things about this is when you choose not to sacrifice for that person, you're not loving them. So let's continue. In verses uh, 32 through 34 is what we're going to read next. It says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. And if you lend to those who you respect repayment from, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. What credit is it to us if we only love those who love us? What credit is it to us if we only give time to those who give time to us? What credit is it to us if we only sacrifice to those who sacrifice for us? What credit is it? Even the sinners do that. And yet, in our own church, we fall into our own cliques and our own patterns. I see that same guy, high five, yeah, let's talk all day, and then forget about everyone else who's here. And it's so easy to fall into that pattern. I know I'm slave to it. I come up to the same person, high five, and go on my way. But that's not loving. That's, I have a great relationship with those people, and I love to continue that. But I'm not reaching out. I'm not building up people. I'm not helping that other person. And it's sad, but it's true. I think what's sad about it is when you distance yourself from people, you really diminish your ability to love that person. And when you create conflict you create enemies and when you create enemies all of a sudden you can't reach out to that person you can't build a relationship with them and that's the sad part about this is you become your own worst enemy by creating enemies and I think that's what's sad about this is in Galatians 5:19, to even references those who partake in these kind of actions will not inherit the kingdom of God and I don't know about you but I think the whole purpose we're here is for that so I don't want to be caught in these little cliques that I've gotten so accustomed to. I don't want to be caught in loving the same person or the person who comes easy to me. I want to seek out those who I don't want to seek out. I want to love those who maybe don't even deserve my love at that point. But I don't deserve the love of Christ. And that person definitely deserves my love more than I deserve Christ's. And so I wanted to share a little uh, example from my own life. Back when I was um, a junior in high school, I had an art class. And for me, I love art. That's one of my most relaxing things I can do. And for me, it was an hour and a half out of my day to just draw and listen to music and just pretty much escape. And for me, 
I'm not a very talkative person, as most people have probably figured out at this point. I'm pretty closed off, and I like, when I have my time, I want it to be my time. But in that class, I had a little table group, and it was me and another guy. And as we drew more and more, I drew more nerdy things, because I'm a nerd. And he's a nerd, too. And he, was, he found that really cool and really awesome, and so he wanted to start talking to me about it, and because he saw a commonality between us. And for me, that was something I did not want to do. Talking, for one thing, not something I want to do on a general basis. But talking when I'm in my closed-off, relaxing drawing time was the last thing I wanted to do. I did not want to sacrifice that time. And so he would keep trying to talk to me, and I'd either blow him off, pretend I didn't hear him. I would start the conversation and end it quickly, because, I mean, I'm pretty good at that. Um, but as time went on, I learned a little bit more and more about him. At the time, I didn't really piece it together, but after that year ended, he graduated, and I never really saw him, and as I thought about it, he had continually, through that time, asked me if I could hang out or do stuff at lunch during school or go to a movie or something, and I'd always be busy. Sometimes it would be mainly because I really was, but I wasn't willing to sacrifice my own time, not even the time in that class. And I realized afterwards things he had said to me that I didn't really piece together at the time, but... His brother had just moved out of his house, and he didn't really have any friends at that school, and he was really looking to lash out and, like, have someone to help him and love him. But I was too busy. I didn't want to make the sacrifice, and, heck, I wouldn't even sacrifice the time I was at school. And most teenagers can agree, that's the most time they would want to sacrifice and get rid of. But <laughs> for me, I wasn't willing to even give up that, let alone my own time. And afterwards, I realized that he was just looking for a friend. He needed somebody, somebody who wouldn't ignore him or somebody who would give him attention only to insult him. And I made an enemy that day, not an enemy that would come back and hate me, but I distanced myself from him. I made him feel unloved. I made him feel unimportant. And the sad part about it is I will never get that chance again with, that, with him. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not in that class anymore, and neither am I. And the sad part about an enemy that falls into the shadows and somebody you don't think about is they're only there for a certain amount of time before you push them away. So you only have a small window for your enemies. Right. Only the smallest of windows to love that person, the smallest of windows to sacrifice. And it's not always going to amount to something. But I know that I still think back to that day and think back to what I could have done differently if I had just sacrificed a little bit more of my time. I don't know. I don't know where he would be with or without that, but I can change my future decisions. I can change what I'll do in a similar scenario. And so what I want to do is I want to seek out that person that falls behind the shadows now. I want to seek out that person that's so close you don't see him. And I know that when I get that opportunity again, I will not make that mistake again because I do not want to. I've been there, I feel that hurt, and I do not want to continue that. So I ask you guys, please, this weekend, Find at least one enemy, just one, whether close or far, and identify one way you can love them. Please, because I don't want you to be in the same place that I was at. I don't want to make that mistake again. And let's make this church a place where the lion really does lie down with the lamb. Thank you, and then...
beautiful thing all right can everybody hear me now yeah awesome slowly maneuvering it over to me um, well hello everybody uh, my name is Josh Massey I'm part of the uh, I'm able to serve with a teen ministry I'm able to help them be there with them guide them and they're able to teach me things that I have I would have never learned otherwise um, and first and foremost I want to thank Logan uh, for that incredible lesson of loving your enemies Loving those people that are close to you, you know? Um, doing things that we're not used to. And that's such an important thing to do on a daily basis, isn't it? And so to first, um, before I get into the nitty-gritty of my, um, my lesson and things that I have prepared for you all, um, I wanted to ask a question. I wanted to see, kind of take a poll, one could say, of um, who here has been a disciple for five years or less? Just go and raise your hand. It's not me, but how oh, awesome. Okay, how about um, between five and ten years? All right, how about ten and fifteen years? Fifteen and twenty. Twenty and twenty-five. Twenty-five and over. That's awesome. Let's give that a round of applause. I'm in a room of faithful, faithful people. Room full of faith, and that is incredible all on its own. And something I want to talk about today is um, the title of my lesson is called Sacrifice in a World of Me. Um, and that's such a hard and difficult thing to do, isn't it? To sacrifice in a world that tells us that everything is about us and who we are and what we want and the comfort that we want to enjoy. Um, and so I'm going to start off in Rome, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, um, verses 1 through 2. And it says, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I absolutely adore this scripture. Um, because it starts off with this idea of, in view of God's mercy, um, a.k.a. God's mercy on us, the people who fall short, the people who are constantly missing the mark, the undeserving, to, uh, one could say. In view of God's mercy, we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And so that begs the question, what do we sacrifice? And beautifully enough, it has the answer in the next verse. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And that can seem so vague, can't it? It can be like, well, what is the pattern of this world? What does that even mean? And so I started thinking about that and was like, okay, well, what is the pattern of this world? There, those are the things um, that one could say is of the flesh or the things that um, I struggle with to be selfish or whatnot. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys and get a couple answers from you guys. What kind of things you struggle with that are patterns of this world in your concept? So if anyone could raise their hand, I would love to hear from you all. <laughs> Procrastination, true. Gossip, that's very true as well. Too busy. Selfishness. Judgment. Pride. 
This is all true. And the things that I came up with were, I think came up with comfort. We all want to be comfortable, don't we? We all want to be in our little box, in our little zone of, don't bother me, I'm in my zone, I'm Netflixing, I'm doing what I want to do, I'm playing video games, I'm playing music. As I learned in grief recovery, I'm sturbing. Um, and it's cool, it's amazing, because we're able to almost get away from the problems that we have on a daily basis. And then there's selfishness. And then th that leads to a hard heart where we can't give to others. And then we have a lack of compassion on everyone around us and a lack of empathy, which leads to laziness. And so that brings me to think, well, what does this all lead to in a ministry saying that we all struggle with that and we just gave into that? What would that all lead to? That would lead to an, a ministry of ineffectiveness, a ministry where we couldn't know who we actually are. Like, I wouldn't know the person that st st uh, stood or sat next to me. I wouldn't know who Lou Logan was, who he is in his heart. I wouldn't have known anything that he would have been going through in his life. A ministry without true love, a ministry without deep friendships who sharpen, encourage, and help each other grow. And so I want to take a moment and I want to give a, a daring challenge here and I want to probe here for the older disciples. I know that's a hard one, but I ask you, how well do you know the younger disciples in this ministry? How well do you know the campus or the teens? How much do you reach out to them? Because mind you, they're the future of the church. They're the, the future of our nation, as a matter of fact. I am part of the future. We are all part of the future here as a younger generation. And I ask you, how much do you reach out to them? That's hard to do, isn't it? It's for someone that's much older to reach out to someone that's much younger and be like, oh, let me connect to them at a completely different stage of life. And really grow a friendship with them. And really get to know them. And understand where they, what their struggles are. And they can understand mine. That's so difficult. It's so hard for us because we build this barrier between each other. That we're over here and you're over there. And it's hard. And so I want to share um, about something that's very personal for me. Um, about the time that I became a disciple. <clears throat> uh, before I became a disciple, I was a very sinful man. <laughs> um, I, I loved to be all about myself and what pleasures I could find um, that, I, that would fill my needs. Um, so uh, I grew up without my dad for about like half of my life. And because of that, I had this need. I had this void constantly that I wanted to fill. So I'd fill it with women. I'd go um, to parties. I'd go to all over the place. And I'd just fill it with whatever I could find. And it would constantly fall in that way, but at the same time, I always felt empty, right? I would go home, and I would literally cry myself to sleep on a consistent basis because I have no father. It felt like my dad died. And that was hard. That was hard for me to come to terms with. And so at this time, I was hurting. But on the outside, I was good. I was like, yeah, let's go have fun. Let's go do that. I was playing football. I was doing decent in, in school. I was doing great things, building good friendships. But on the inside, I was dying. I was hurting. But you couldn't see that unless you dug. And so then I started coming out to um, Shoreline about like eight years ago. Um, 
And the first person I met was, his name was Luke Opp. He would travel from Camarillo to Simi Valley to pick me up and then take me all the way back out to Camarillo to go an event and then drop me off back in Simi Valley and then go back home himself. That's like a 20 mile trip one way. So that's like 80 miles that he just drove just for me. One person, not a group of people, just one person. And then after that, I started studying the Bible. And then there was Tony Strait who would do the exact same thing. And then there was Gio Garces who would do the exact same thing. And it was so cool because that was the first time I ever learned about sacrifice. I ever learned what it felt like to truly be loved. And it wasn't by my peers. It wasn't by those that were around me. It was by gentlemen that were older than me, much older than me. I mean, Luke Opp was in like his mid-30s. <laughs> I was a 17-year-old kid. <laughs> what am I going to fight to find to relate with him with? Oh, yeah, we both played football, but you like 20 years ago. Um, you know, it's like, what do I relate with? <laughs> you know, as a teenager, it's hard. But at the same time, that's where I learned the most important lessons that brought me here today to talk to you. Because we need those who are older, need you, not even want, need you in our lives. Because without you, we don't learn. You have wisdom, you have experience, and we need it. We need your experience to be able to learn, to be able to hear, and to be able to truly listen. And so I want to share one more scripture in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm, I'm pulling a fast one kind of on Jeremy. I, I told him it was um, a little bit shorter, but I wanted to read verses 1 through 11. Um, <laughs> I was reading it, and I was like, wow, this is, this is too powerful to not share. And so it says in verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort of, from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every name should bow and in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Wow just take a moment and think about that we have an incredible heavenly father. He can do literally anything, move mountains with his pinky, and instead of staying up there, he came down and became like us, becoming nothing, becoming a servant in order to reach people like us, the people who are undeserving. That is such a beautiful example. 
And so I want to ask you, what will you follow? Will you follow Jesus? Or will you fo follow the patterns of this world? Thank you all, and th to God be the glory.